Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. I am so honored to bring the word to you today. I believe that uh, this word can, can help you in this specific area. Now, this is an area where many of us have an issue. And in fact, I can probably say that all of us have an issue in this area, whether you are single, whether you are engaged, whether you are married, whether you are an empty nester, wherever you're at, you probably have this issue. It also comes up everywhere. It comes up uh, at home. It comes up while you're at work. It even comes up while you're in church. And this is actually the root of so many problems in our relationships. And that is trust issues. Trust issues. In fact, it's hard to have a vibrant healthy marriage if you have trust issues. It's hard to have friends if you have trust issues. And it's especially hard to mature in the Lord if you have trust issues. And we're going to go to your Bible in the Old Testament. I believe the Holy Spirit has highlighted this specific story that can help you in this area. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is the last of the Old Testament historical books in, in, in your Bible. And in fact, one thing you need to know is that Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 BC. His walls were torn down. And then in 536 BC, it came under Persian rule. Now, at the time, then you have a lot of Jews going back to Jerusalem. And this is where we pick up in Nehemiah. One thing you need to know about Nehemiah is that he is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. This book is interesting because this book actually fulfills prophecies located in the book of Daniel and Zechariah in your Bible. Now, if you if you notice, Daniel and Zechariah are actually after the book of Nehemiah, but they actually take place and it, it records events that happen before the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah records the fulfillment of the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. So we're going to be in chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 4. The context is Nehemiah is worried about his people. He just learned that the walls are torn down and he's going to work. And the king notices, hey, there's something wrong with Nehemiah. And he asks Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's going on? And Nehemiah basically tells him, hey, my people are hurting. And here's where we pick up in verse 4. It says, Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. In a moment where Nehemiah could have asked anything he wanted to, when the king asked him, What do you want? What are you requesting? Nehemiah stops and he prays to God. That little act right there shows you who Nehemiah really trusts. Yeah, yeah, King Artaxerxes might be his king on earth, but Nehemiah I truly trusts the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the mighty God. And so what I want to do, I want to preach from the subject simply, trust in God. Trust in God. Let's go in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that your word has authority. We thank you that your word is inspired. We thank you that your word speaks to the here and now even right now in 2023, you have a word for your people. Help us to have an open mind and a receptive heart to hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. 
You know, would you agree that there are just some things we just don't trust? In fact, let's play a game. What do you trust more, plastic straws or paper straws? Come on, let's be honest. How about this? How about you give me the one that actually works? How about you give me the one that actually doesn't get soggy by the end of my drink? I got some trust issues with some paper straws, y'all. How about this next one? This one is easy for many of you. What do you trust more, Android or iPhone? Y'all know, listen, listen. You all know that in the book of June, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, it reads, you want to go with the phone that sends blue text bubbles and clear pictures. Can I get an amen? All right, this next one, this next one's gonna, is going to hit some of you. <laughs> Which airline do you trust the most? <laughs> Delta or Spirit? Listen, I'm not, uh, okay, I'm not going to tell you which one I trust. I'm going to leave that up to your imagination. But I got some trust issues with some airlines. I'm just letting you know. You know, we got trust issues with airlines. We got trust issues with phones. I don't, I'm not even going to touch the trust issues we got with restaurants, all right? But, but we also have trust issues among ourselves, do we not? We, we actually do. In fact, statistics say that we're not trusting each other. Uh, uh, there's a statistic that says many Americans are anxious about the level of confidence citizens have in each other. 71% think that confidence or trust in each other has declined in the last 20 years. About half, about 49% think that the reason why we're not trusting each other is because people aren't just reliable anymore. Not like they used to be. The Oxford Dictionary for Trust basically says this, a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, and strength of someone or something. Yeah. You know, one thing is you having trust issues about a phone or about an airline or about straws, but it, it's another thing when you got trust issues when it comes to God. Yeah. Here's the thing. The problem is that we tend to trust what's in front of us rather than the God above that loves us. And if you're honest with yourself, and, and if you look back at those times in your life, you, you probably didn't need more money. You, you just needed to trust God. Yeah. If you look back, you probably didn't need their validation. You, be honest, you just needed to trust God. If you look back at those times where you probably regret, you probably didn't need to take matters into your own hand. You just needed to trust God. And if I, and if I hope that you leave with something here today, it would be this, that you would start trusting God with things that you've been trusting yourself with. You see, Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. And that word trust in that verse has to do with really putting your full weight on something. You, you, you have confidence in it because you, you believe and know that it can hold your full weight. And sometimes we have the habit of putting our full weight on things that cannot sustain us. Things that aren't strong enough, strong enough to sustain us. In fact, it reminds me of a carabiner. This is, a, this is called a carabiner. This is a, an official climbing clip. You use this to click onto your harness or to a rope and then to your harness. And, and, and basically, while you're climbing, if you slip and fall down, this will be able to catch you. This will be able to be strong enough to catch you so that you don't fall to the ground. 
And, and when, I, when I saw this carabiner, I thought, of, I thought of how alike it looks to a keychain. I mean, many of us actually have a keychain that looks like this. In fact, if you, if you have one, it would say, not for climbing. <laughs> Don't use this for climbing, y'all. The, the reason why is because this is not weight rated to carry you. This is not weight rated. In fact, this one is, is weight rated. This one says 24 kilonewtons. Now, kilo, one kilonewton uh, can, can withstand about 245 pounds. So this little black thing right here can, can actually withstand 5,300 pounds. And so when I, when I went to go buy this, the guy was telling me this, and he was telling me about kilonewtons, and I, and I was like, well, I've never seen a person weigh 5,300 pounds. Why do you need a clip that can withstand that? And he basically said, well, you need a clip that can, that can withstand your weight, but also the kinetic energy that you're going to create if you fall several feet to the ground. And you see, here's, here, here's the problem is that, is that we, uh, we tend to put our, our full weight on, on things that can't sustain us. We, we tend to put our full weight on things that can't, that can't hold us up. Uh, can, I, can, I, can I just tell you that, that there are things in your life that you're putting your, your weight on that aren't weight rated? They're not weight rated for the calling that God has over your life. They're not weight rated for the purpose that God has over you. You're a spouse. They're not weight rated for, for you being a spouse in that marriage. They're not weight rated for, for you being parents to, to these children that God has entrusted you with. Be careful what things you put your weight on because just because they look like it can hold you doesn't mean it can. So today I want to share with you just a few things that I hope would help you to fully trust in God from the story of Nehemiah. First thing is this, trust God has already seen. Trust God has already Scene. In Nehemiah 1.3, it says, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed. Here, Nehemiah gets bad news. His people are in trouble. And what do we do when we hear bad news? I mean, you know, we're, we're taken back. We go into shock. We start hyperventilating. Our blood pressure starts to increase. And we are paralyzed by the problem. I remember when I was in the kitchen, I was cleaning up my, my daughter, Livy. She came up to me and she, she says, hey, daddy, there's water on the floor. And so I said, okay, can you get a towel and, and dry it up? And, and, and she said, uh, no, no, daddy. And her facial expression changed. I mean, it just, she became really, really worried. And she says, no, daddy, you need to see. Come see daddy. And so she, she pulls me through the living room into the bathroom and when I get to the bathroom, I notice that the sink is overflowing, the faucet's on, the floor is flooded, and I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of panicked. I was like, oh, uh-oh, this is, you know, I, I went, I hurried up and turned off the faucet, I, I got some towels, I, I called Elizabeth from across, Elizabeth, I need your help, something's going on, help me out. And, and Elizabeth came, and you know, here's, here's what was mind-blowing about that whole experience. As soon as I saw the bathroom, you know what Livy did? She was calm. She became collected. It was almost like she said, Daddy understands the assignment. 
It was almost as if, as if she said, oh, you know, I don't know how daddy's going to fix it. I don't know how he's going to get the water to turn off. I don't know how he's going to dry that, that, big bath, like, that big bathroom that's all wet and flooded. I don't know how it's all going to come together. I don't even know how long it's going to take. All I know is since, since he sees it, he's got it. You know, and, and that's what we need to do when it comes to our life. When it, whenever something happens to where we're in shock, we need to be like, okay, God, you see it? You got it. You know, you see this? You got it. You see this problem? You see this struggle? God, you have got it. In fact, in Psalms 46.10, God says, be still and know that I am God. But part of our struggle is that we don't think God sees it. We, we don't think he's seeing us. We don't think he's seeing our problems. We don't think he's seeing our struggle. We don't think he's seeing our pain. We don't think he's seeing our, our work condition because we think God is too busy hooking our friend up with Princess Parking at Costco. Let's be real. Let's be real. We think he's too busy blessing that family that has well-behaved kids, that they just landed an amazing job, and by the way, they got a new car, and by the way, they bought a new house, and a low interest rate. I don't know how they did that. And by the way, on top of that, they just so happen to be on vacation. Oh, and by the way, you just so happen to scroll on, on the gram and you just so happen to see their post. And you're seeing, man, I, God, you're really hooking them up. But I don't, I'm in a mess right now. And we think that God is understaffed up in heaven. <laughs> we, we think he's not seeing your pain. You think he's not seeing your infertility. You think he's not seeing your depression. You think he's not seeing that, that you're, you're in your third medication and, and the other ones had side effects and, and this one might, might, you might have worse side effects and you don't know what to do. You think God is not seeing where you're at and he's not seeing what you're going through. But I want to tell you today that your God is omniscient. He's omnipresent and he's omnipotent. That means he knows all, he's everywhere and he's got all the power. God knows more about you than you know about yourself. God knows more about your marriage than either of you know about each other. God knows more about your kid's condition, come on, than a test results show or than the teacher says. God knows more about your health than the blood results came back with. God knows more about you. Psalms 34, 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. God knows you. He sees you. Write this down. I know this will help you. Since God sees all, you can trust him with all of you. God sees your frustration. You can trust him with all of you. God sees your condition. You can trust him with all of you. God sees where, where, how, how you've been in a struggle and, you, and you've, been, you've been overwhelmed by anxiety. You can trust him with all of you. God sees you. You can trust him with all of you. Second point I want to share with you from this story is, is to trust God is already involved. The book of Nehemiah opens up with Hanani coming with a group of people, letting Nehemiah know what's going on in Jerusalem. But Hanani also let King Artaxerxes know what's going on in Jerusalem, how, how the people are, are, are in terrible, terrible condition, that they're struggling and Nehemiah thought, okay, I guess God's on the move because Hanani came, he let the king know. I'm pretty sure Hanani is, is, is telling everybody else and God's gonna do something, I guess God's on the move. But what ends up happening is that after Hanani leaves, nothing happens. And then it turns to a week 
and nothing has happened. King Artaxerxes hasn't sent help. And that week turns into a month and nothing happens. And then it turns into four months and nothing happens. And you can see that Nehemiah got more depressed, he got more anxious, he got more frustrated because after the news, nothing changed. Aren't we like that sometimes? God, when are you going to do something about it? Nothing's improved. I believe in you, but I don't know if I can trust that you're gonna do anything about this. Nothing's happened. God, I believe in you, but I, I don't think I can trust this situation changing. God, I, I believe in you, but, but I don't think I should expect something different from my marriage because it's still on the rocks and nothing has changed. I guess I should accept it. I, I, I don't see anything changing. So much so that we can deduce that, that Nehemiah gets to a point where he's pretty much depressed. He's, de- he's depressed, and he goes to work. He decides against FMLA and calling in sick. He goes into work, and the king notices, oh, there's something wrong with you. What's, what's, what's going on? One of the things you need to know about Nehemiah's position is that he is a cupbearer to the king. A lot of you are probably thinking, man, that's not really a glamorous role. Well, in fact, it pretty much was in the sense of he had a lot of authority. In fact, some theologians would say that he was able to limit or grant access from people seeing the king. That's some power right there. And just imagine, he he would drink a cup to make sure that it doesn't have poison so that the king can be able to drink it. Imagine the amount of confidence, trust, and influence that builds with your boss. I mean, that's that's quite a role. And, And King Artaxerxes notices this, asks him what's going on, Nehemiah tells him what's going on. King Artaxerxes says, okay, what are you requesting? And here's what he says in chapter two, verse seven. He says, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the kinger, the king whose, whose forests are there, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And listen to this. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. See, not only did Nehemiah have to realize that God was already on the move, but he has to notice that God placed him in a specific spot for a specific reason. One thing you need to know about your God is that no one made him. He spoke everything into existence. He exists outside of time and space, but is involved in everything that's going on inside of time and space. He didn't just arrive. He knows everything. He doesn't need a memo. He doesn't need an email. He doesn't need to be updated by anyone. God is all-knowing. And when it comes to your problem, you need to know this. Since God is all-knowing, you can trust he's already in it. When, the, when, the, when Jacob's family was about to be taken out by a drought, God already had Joseph second in command in G- Egypt. God was already in it. When the people of Israel were in bondage and, and, and there was no hope and they, they felt hopeless, God already had the leader Moses already in the palace who would eventually lead them out to freedom. God was already in it. And I'm convinced sometimes we feel like, you know, in God's story, we feel like we're extras in a movie set. We, we feel like we're, we're just in the background. Nobody knows our name. We feel like, you know, if, if, if you don't show up to a movie shoot and you're an extra, let me let you know, Steven Spielberg is not gonna be like, oh, we gotta cancel the movie. No, 
He's still going to keep going. You know, it, it, you know it, it, he's, he's still going to keep going. Not, not everybody knows. In fact, the main actor probably doesn't know any extras' names. It's not, gonna, it's not like they're going to be like, you know what, uh, extra number 5,432 is not here. Uh, what are we going to do about it? I don't know what to do. No, no, no. Because they don't know your favorite color. They don't know your name. They don't know where you're from. They just know you're in the background of their movie. But can I just tell you that there are no extras in God's story. There are no extras in God's church. There are just called people in God's church. There are just daughters in God's church. There are just sons in God's church. There are just faith-filled people in God's church. And you, you, I want you to write this down. You can trust he's involved in your life because you're a part of his story. It's a good word. That's the word that you need to recognize. That's the word that you need to expect. You, you are a part of his family. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Come on, can, can we take a moment and just praise God that he's involved in our family, that he's involved in our workplace, that he's involved in our health. God is involved. Last thing that I believe will help you to fully trust in God is to trust God will always when you know what gets in the way of us fully trusting God we do we do because we point to a moment in our life in the past where we where no, it didn't happen the way we wanted to where we prayed for something and it didn't happen or we prayed against something and it still happened we can point to tragedies in our life and moments and seasons where it was so painful for me. You don't know. It was very painful for me. And I, and I don't know if I can trust God with this. And often it's kind of like, like me. God, why didn't I get into that college that I wanted to? God, you failed. No, it, it, was, it was maybe because I didn't have the GPA to get in there. Uh, God, you know, why, why didn't I get that job I wanted to? God, you failed. No, it was probably because I had four misspelled words in the resume and they probably didn't want to hire me. God, my hockey team keeps losing. Why? God, you failed. No, it, it might just be you need to switch to the lightning. Come on, become a bolt. That's probably why. I'll joke inside. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Moments in our life don't turn out the way we want them to because nobody's perfect. Because you make mistakes and your, and your parents make mistakes and your friend and your coworker and that person that rear-ended you, they all make, everybody makes mistakes. We're not perfect. And here's, here's what's helped me to not, get, not let that get in the way of me trusting God. Don't attribute losses to God's undefeated record. See, if things are going well, God is undefeated. If things aren't going well, God is still undefeated. If I get a raise, come on, somebody, God is undefeated. If I get fired, can I just say, God is still undefeated? Come on, you got to know that just because bad things happen, it doesn't mean that it should get in the way of you trusting God. Don't attribute losses to God's undefeated record. And I know this will help someone. It isn't about winning for yourself, but about being with the God who will never lose. Nehemiah and the people, they eventually were, were able to, to rebuild the walls. And in chapter 6, verse 15, it says they rebuilt it in 52 days. This is a miracle. 
a miracle. God has won. And I absolutely love what it says in chapter 6, verse 15. It says, and when all our enemies heard of it, when all our enemies heard that the walls were rebuilt, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. In fact, that means that they're not, they weren't confident anymore. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. You can walk in confidence because you are with a winning Savior. You're with a winning Savior. Praise God. You know, one of my favorite verses from all the Bible is actually located in the book of Nehemiah. This is a verse that has helped me through so many seasons, difficult seasons, confusing seasons, seasons, challenging seasons, seasons where, where I've had a decision to make, and if I made the wrong decision, it, I would pay for it for the next 10 years. But this, this verse has, has grounded me in the Lord. And this, this, this verse happens in, in this book where Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, and two people, Sanballat and Geshem, go to Nehemiah and invite him to meet. You know, they, they, they said, hey, we want to meet with you. And, and they had ill intent toward Nehemiah. They wanted him to stop working. And I love what Nehemiah has to say to their invitation. Here's what he said. He said, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. When you have a choice to make that will compromise your relationship with your spouse, that's what you ought to say. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. When you have a choice to make where it can compromise your integrity and, and who you are, you, that's how you should respond. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Those are big things, but how about the small things? When I'm in I-4 and somebody cuts me off, and I, have to, I, I feel tempted to, to respond with a hand gesture, come on, somebody. You got to stop there and say, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Man, that's such a great verse. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. But you know, you know, I, I saw myself as Nehemiah doing a great work for the Lord. But the more I read the story, I, I recognize that I'm, I'm not like Nehemiah. I recognize that Nehemiah is actually more like the type of Christ and, and not more like the people in Jerusalem whose walls are broken down, whose gates are destroyed and burned, who's in need of a savior, who was vulnerable, who doesn't know what to do, who doesn't have the tools to get, I don't have the tools to get myself out. Because you see, what God did through Nehemiah was incredible, but it doesn't compare to what God did himself. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus led a perfect life. He fulfilled 300 prophecies. He performed incredible miracles. He brought out of this world teaching. And then he ended up on a cross. He ended up on the cross because he, he was dying for your sins and he was dying for my sins. He was paying the price that we could never pay on the cross. And in the Bible, there's this one part where it says that people that would, would pass by and they would see Jesus crucified on the cross, they would say, save yourself and come down from that cross. But Jesus didn't come down, not, not because he couldn't, but because he was doing a great work and he wouldn't come down. God saw you and how lost you were, so he stayed on that cross because he was doing a good work and he wouldn't come down. God saw your need for hope, peace, and joy, and he stayed on that cross because he was doing a good work and he wouldn't come down. 
God saw your need for healing, so he stayed on that cross because he was doing a good work and he wouldn't come down. And Jesus died on that cross. He wouldn't come down because he knew that three days later he would come up. He would conquer sin, death, and the grave. And the Bible declares that whosoever accepts him as Lord and Savior will have eternal life. You know what? If I can trust Jesus with my salvation, I can trust him with my family. If I can trust Jesus with my salvation, I can trust him with my marriage. If I can trust Jesus with my salvation, I can trust him with my health. If I can trust Jesus with my salvation, I can trust him with my anxiety. I can trust in Jesus. And in fact, if someone asks you, hey, what are you gonna do about your marriage? I know that you guys are, you guys have been struggling for years and you filed for, what, what, what's gonna happen? A good response, which is a complete sentence, it can be your complete response. I trust in the Lord. Whenever something comes up and the test results aren't where, where they want, where you want them to be and you're, you're struggling and people ask you, hey, what are you gonna do? I trust in the Lord. When things are overwhelming and you don't know who to turn to and nobody has answers, not even your doctor, can I just tell you, a good response to that is, I trust in God. Come on, I'm gonna invite you to stand. Can we take a moment? Can we take a moment and just praise God? Because we can trust in God. You know, I know this, this is gonna be a special day for many of you because you're gonna stop trusting the things that can't sustain you. You're gonna stop trusting the things that you thought were gonna get you through a season, but they haven't. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna stop trusting the, the things that you thought, oh man, I, as long as I have this, I'm good. You're gonna stop trusting those things because they can't sustain what God wants to do in your life. They can't sustain you. And you're gonna put those things down and you're gonna pick up Christ. Because whether things happen that are great or things happen that, that are struggling, God can be able to sustain you. He can sustain you, he'll sustain your family, he'll sustain your spouse, he'll sustain your marriage, he'll sustain your health. God can sustain you. And so whatever you've been trusting your life with, whatever you've been trusting your own strength or your career, or that connection you made, whatever, whatever you've been putting your trust in, today, this morning, is the moment where you're gonna remove that trust from that thing that's weak, that thing that can't sustain you, and you're gonna fully trust in God. Whatever that thing is, just bring it to mind. And say it with me. Say, today, I trust in God. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that you are omnipotent, you're omnipresent, you're all-knowing. We thank you that you have authority over all things. We thank you that we can trust you with everything. And today, we are declaring that we trust you with all. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's worship. Come on, let's lift our voice to Jesus today.
to speak to a group of people that you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over your life. I want you to know that God has a great purpose over your life. In fact, he has you right here for a reason. You see, God loves you, but sin has separated you from God. The good news is that our Father in heaven sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. He paid for your sins. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And the Bible declares that whosoever trusts, puts their faith in Christ, makes him Lord and Savior, will have eternal life. And so I want to give you that opportunity. Today is the day of salvation for you. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're in this place and, and you want to be bold and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, at the count of three, just raise your hand and I'd love to pray for you. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Be bold as, a, as you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Praise God. Go ahead and slip that hand down. Come on, say this prayer with me. Come on, church, let's all say it together. Say, dear Jesus, today I trust in you. Forgive my sins. Today I make you Lord and Savior over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate those that have accepted Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.